Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambhutasa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambhutasa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambhutasa Aparutade sangamadasa tawara this evening, uh, an opportunity to listen, observe how what I say affects you. Because you're the one that knows. The knowing is consciousness. And just being aware of the, the mood or the emotion or the state of mind, being in, in a Buddhist monastery, in a temple, at this moment, it's like this. And so during this past days, the reflection <clears throat> is uh, encouraging a kind of confidence in, in just your ability to observe, be the puto, rather than someone trying to get something or get rid of something. So it's a, like a rea relaxed state of openness, Attention! It's attention! It's attentive, listening, receptive, welcoming, <clears throat> and like all feelings, you know how you can you, you define feeling. You, you've got three categories: uh, happiness, unhappiness, and neutral. <clears throat> and this is in the scripture, but those are pretty limited words. Because so much of our feelings are are indescribable, but we feel them, we know them. So we, to, to the ignorant human being, the the world is something that you define, something you have names for that you can identify with. When it becomes something alien or foreign to you, it becomes threatening. <clears throat> When we can define and know that everything is like this, it should be like this, uh, everybody keeps the rules, everybody obeys the commandments, uh, then we have uh, and obeys the law, then we feel a sense of, of stability and safety. But this time, in, in, in this time in history of this planet and the population of the world, there's so many ominous factors, climate change, uh, overpopulation, wars, nuclear threats, unstable leaders and so forth that, that um, we re react to. We have a certain feeling about, a sense of danger or fear or a feeling of being threatened. The future is the unknown. What's going to happen? What's going to happen with Brexit? And this, this is a, a you know, a, an aramana, a state of mind that we can just, we're not trying to, to, you know, predict or say anything about how we want it to be or predict any uh, scenarios ourselves, but we can be aware of the feeling of uncertainty and security is like this, not knowing is like this. And Ajahn Chah's 
simple, simple, the simple teaching of Lung Pao Cha. He said, my nair, everything is uncertain, not knowing. <clears throat> but knowing, not knowing, is where the, where the consciousness knows not knowing, knows doubt is like this, knows insecurity, uncertainty is like this. What happens after when you die? You know, like, this is oftentimes asked of, of, of us to, uh, what is the Buddhist attitude about death? And, of course, uh, then you, there's very various uh, stories about reincarnation or rebirth. <clears throat> Other people believe that when you're dead, you're dead. You know, that's, that's the end, oblivion, or others believe you go to heaven or hell according to how you behaved. But the fact that all of us haven't died yet, we don't know what happens when, when this body, when this physical form dies. So just take the word death, for example, the English word death. Some people don't, you know, it's a, not a kind of subject you bring up at, when you want to have fun and have a party. And then we know, all of us know, that in the future the, the body will die, that's taken for granted. But we don't like to be reminded of it. <clears throat> the idea of extending a lifetime to, you know, to live forever, some people are very attracted to that. Some people have their corpses frozen so that in the future when they, when science has discovered a way to recreate life, they can come back. Because death is the unknown, isn't it, at this point? What happens when you ask yourself, what, what, what will happen when I die? What is, what, what do you, what do you do? What do you feel? My mind goes blank. Like any question, the form of a question leaves you, leaves a gap and you stop thinking for, for a, a moment. What, what will happen when I die? Where will I go? And there's consciousness still observing the sense of not knowing, questioning. So we want to find out from others, what do the Christians say, what do the Buddhists say, the Hindus, the humanists, just what, what you know, would be told, might give us, a, you know, we might agree with what we hear, but the, the reality of awareness at this moment is we don't know. <clears throat> but there's still consciousness, isn't it, in not knowing. And there's a silence, a stillness. And that's observed, isn't it? That you can, you can recognize, it's like this. But if you want an answer to the question, then you don't notice that. You, you, you try to find an answer to the question or ask somebody to tell you what, what will happen. So the encouragement to trust this knowing, this awareness, sati sampatanya, panya, you say, is this the deathless? Is the 
Sound of silence is consciousness, the deathless. And you, then the, the doubt arises, question mark. But do you need an answer to that question? This, this awareness, consciousness at, here and now, where does it begin and end? Where does consciousness die? So it's immeasurable, you know, it has no, no boundary, no beginning or end. So is that the deathless? And you want me to say yes or no or whatever. <laughs> but now we're dealing merely with words. And what I'm trying to encourage is, you can't describe what's indescribable, but you can know. There's a knowing. You can't imagine the unimaginable, but there's knowing, not knowing, non image, not imagining is like this. So in, in in Thailand, for example, one of the great forest Ajahn teachers was uh, was named Lumpu Dun. He lived in uh, Surin Province, and he his reflection on the Four Noble Truths I've always found very, very uh, helpful. I've memorized it, and when I do meditation walk, I keep repeating uh, these four noble truths according to Lumpu Dun. Because the first noble truth according to the scriptures is there is dukkha, there is suffering. And in, in Lumpu Dun's version is the, the mind, the, 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 the jitta you send outside through the senses is the cause of suffering. So that's the first noble truth, the cause of suffering. This, when you're always looking outward or trying to get something through desire, it's like you're sending your, your jitta outside through thinking, through, through the senses. And that's, uh, in, according to Lumpu Dun's version, that's the cause of suffering. He put that in the position of the first noble truth. And then the second noble truth is the result, the result of sending the jitta outside is dukkha, is suffering. <clears throat> so it's an interesting take on the Four Noble Truths. The Third Noble Truth, it says, when the, when the jitta knows itself, that's the path, that's the maga or the path. And then the result of the jit, jitta knowing itself is the cessation, realization of cessation, niroda. Now this is, you know, it's an interesting reflection. I, just in my own practice, developing this awareness around, when I, set, when I start thinking, when I start getting caught up in my thoughts or seeking distractions through seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching. That's like sending the, the mind, the jitta, outside. The thinking process is, is, an, is an object, is a sankara. You're, you're trying to, by always being caught up in the thinking process, in your thinking habits, you know, then that's the cause of suffering. <clears throat> Or the tendency, the habit patterns we have to distract ourselves, to 
get away from suffering, to try to find happiness or security or safety or just relief from suffering of some sort. We have to go outside. We have to think. We have to look at something, hear something, listen to something, smell something, taste something. And then the, the third noble truth, according to Lung Pudun, is uh, the mind, the, the consciousness knows itself. What is that? That's the knowing of emptiness, con empty consciousness. It's like this. And that's the path, the Eightfold Path, as simple as that. And the result of the consciousness knowing itself is Niroda, or a cessation of suffering. Now this is like a, a teaching, you know, that, that is, you know, it's not whether it's right according to the scriptures, but it's a reflective teaching by uh, a, a master who understood the Four Noble Truths. So taking it and reflecting on it in this way, I found very, very useful. Then my encouragement is to trust this awareness, this knowing. Because the consciousness is not, not something that comes and goes, like sankharas. It's here and now, it's what we're experiencing, every one of us is experiencing it right now. But if you're sending your, your consciousness outside, trying to figure out what, what that is, trying to think about it, analyze it, or agree or disagree, or just be caught in confusion, you, you know, the, the encouragement is to be aware. The, the confused state is like this. When you feel confused, not knowing what's right or wrong, or what to do next, or so many situations in life are confusing. Doubt, uncertainty. Now the desire is for certitude. I want certainty. Just tell me what's right and what's wrong, and I'll believe you. And many people do that. They, they, they'll believe what they're told by some, by a religious teacher or by an atheist or a charismatic person of some sort, a guru, because they they don't have any confidence in themselves to find out. <laughs> We see ourselves always in terms of, I'm the ignorant one. Like when, when I first went to stay with Lung Po Cha, I had the assumption, he, I'm the, the unenlightened disciple and you're the meditation master, you're the enlightened one. That's how, that's the sakyaditi, the sense of my self-worth was, he, that Lung Po Cha knows me better than I know me. He's the master. He'll tell me what to do. So in, in terms of uh, structure, that's the way it is. He's, he's the head, he's the teacher, he's the, the experienced uh, bhikkhu, he's the enlightened master. That's conventionally true. And I'm the neophyte, the, the new monk, the one that hasn't practiced meditation very well. And so on a, a conventional level, we, we tend to believe the conventions as our reality. 
But one thing that that you know that one began to really appreciate with Ajahn Chah was that he wouldn't play that game with me. Every time I started to project, you know where I am, you know what what's going on, you know me better than I do. He he would he'd have some way, some skillful means to get me to look at my state of mind. Because that's a created state, isn't it? I create the sense of I am I am the student, I am the unenlightened one, you're the, the great teacher. That's what is that? That's thinking, isn't it? Those about those are all sankaras. All thoughts are sankaras, they arise and cease. So you can't trust them in terms of grasping the thinking process as a means to enlightenment. So what is it that knows Sankara is sati sampatanya satipanya. That's the knowing. Sankaras are sape sankarani cha, sape tamanata, all conditions are impermanent. All sankaras are impermanent. All Dhamma, what does that mean? All Dhamma is, is what it, when we talk, when we say all Dhamma is not self, is anatta, that baffles them, the thinking mind. <clears throat> so there's sankara, and the, these are the Pali terms, which is condition, phenomena, and Dhamma, which is the unborn, unformed, uncreated, unconditioned. That's here and now. And by, with Sati Sampachanya, with our ability to awaken, to, to put ourselves in that position of attentive listening, no opening to the present moment, then universal wisdom can can manifest, can operate. We begin to see things in terms of what they, the way it is rather than the way we think it is. So it's learning to see that you're not what you think. The thinking process is, 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 is made up, you know. It's created by human beings, whatever language you you happen to think in, think with. <clears throat> and it's a useful, it has its use. It's, you know, on the conventional levels for discrimination. Its purpose is to define and to discriminate, to describe. And so, you know, there's, I'm not saying you should give up thinking and shouldn't think anymore because <laughs> you can't do that. But you can observe thinking. And that which is, is a, that which observes, what is that? And then we'd like a, an answer to that question, but it's like entrusting, it's in this, the, the Buddha knowing Dhamma, the awakened knowing of reality. Dhamma is not personal, it's not, it's not a created state. But it is knowing. So in these Four Noble Truths, uh, the standard version in the scriptures, the Dhammajakapavatana Sutta, getting back to the three aspects, there's a statement, what to do about it, the Bhatibhata, and the result of doing that, Bhatiwait. 
So these are, this is, this is the paradigm for reflection. And so, so much interest now in countries like England and European world, the Western world, that didn't exist 60 years ago. You know, so it's, what, why, why is it we, we seek wisdom and why do we take an interest in, an, in a very old religion from Asia? <laughs> Say the Western Sangha, the Western people here, why do, what, what is it about Buddhism that, that intrigues us or interests us? And of course, as a scholar, one might say, well, I'm fascinated with old languages like Pali, and I'm an, an anthropologist or an archaeologist. That's one that would be more of interest in the subject of Buddhism. But most of us didn't, weren't that interested in the externals, but something resonated in the, in the approach of the Buddha, because it, it doesn't make demands on us that we can't fulfill, or that we can't investigate and prove to ourselves. And that's why the Buddha established his first sermon, you know, like the, the, the first sermon after his enlightenment, was the Dhammajaka Pavantana Sutta, according to the, the scriptures. So what is it? You know, his first, when he was enlightened in Bodhgaya, you know, he, his first thought was, this can't be taught because there's no language for it. How can you teach Dhamma? There's no, you know, how can you, if you know, with words, with concepts, with beliefs. And then according to the, the, the Brahma Sahampati, Brahma God came, represents the, the heavenly forces coming to the Buddha to, to uh, advise the Buddha to go forth for the welfare of those that have little dust in their eyes, that some will understand. So the Buddha's first sermon wasn't about Brahma Sahampati sent me to, to be a missionary. He wasn't patronizing anybody or the five disciples. But he was sharing some, his realization with a skillful means, which is the Four Noble Truths. Because suffering, dukkha, is easily observed. <clears throat> How many of us have ever encountered Brahma Sahampati? Or Indra, or, or God, or whatever. You know, that's, we can see that they're, they're you know, heavenly creatures. Or not creatures, but divine beings. Or they're they're so high up that that they, you know, we either have to believe in them or disbelieve in them. So when something's way beyond the ordinary human being's experience, you know, we're earthbound by our forms, by our human bodies. No matter how, you know, refined we can concentrate and attain various states through samatha meditation practices, we still have to come down to earth with the functions of the body, with the need for food and, and rest and so forth, so that the human form is, is, you know, very coarse, earthbound form. So our ability to associate with, with the devas or the brahmas or divine beings, you know, isn't something that 
is available to most people, most of us. But when the Buddha proclaimed the first noble truth, there is dukkha, there is suffering. How many can deny that? Because <laughs> that's ordinary. That's banal. And nobody wants it. You know, none of us want suffering. And so we want to be happy. So much of our life we spend seeking happiness by avoiding suffering. So this happiness we do have in life tends to be impermanent. You know, it's not stable. When happiness ceases, we have to look for something else. And that's dukkha, isn't it? That's suffering, wanting something we don't have. How many of you suffered a lot in meditation through getting peaceful and calm and samadhi, concentrated, where the mind is very calm and still and blissful, <clears throat> and then the next day you go back and want the same state. You know, you, you can't, just through memory of, of having a, the previous time, this wonderful meditation, the next day try to get it back. Because the next day is memory and it's created desire. You remember some some pleasant experience you previously had and you want it again. So ref, reflective meditation, this satisampachanya, is aware of that. The five khandhas, rupa, vedana, sanya, sankara, vinyana. So, Remembering yesterday's brilliant meditation today is memory, isn't it? Sanya, Kanda. And this we can know. And Sanya, Kanda is Anicca, Dukkha, Anatta. So this is, you know, informing. Conscious, uh, consciously informing itself the nature of sankhara, whether it be the, the body, the feelings, the, the memories, the emotions, or sensory consciousness. Because consciousness is through the senses, which we identify with, it's like sending the jitta outside through objects that we see, hear, smell, taste, touch, and think, and feel. So just reflecting on the way it is, say, at this moment, the body... It's like this. And so you're, you're, not, you're not trying to describe how it feels, but just noticing that, that consciousness is aware of the body, but not thinking about the body or judging the body, liking or disliking it. It's, it's like this. Sitting is like this. Standing is like this, walking, lying down, the four postures, the breathing of the body is like this. This is what's happening right now. So you begin to notice the way it is, breathing is like this. And then you say, should I breathe in long or short, or <clears throat> should I do various yoga breath exercises or and then you start these are questions you might ask yourself because or we don't notice the breathing of, the, of our own bodies until it, it's difficult 
and we're short of breath. And we become aware of the breathing, but then we tend to, because it's dukkha, we tend to try to get rid of it. There's something wrong. But ordinarily, who, who notices their breathing? And we're looking at not in terms of my breathing or their breathing, but breathing, but it's like this. Breathing in is like this. Breathing out is very simple, isn't it? Not complicated. But trust that awareness of it. So like in the Satipatthana, the four foundations of mindfulness, the Kayanupasana Satipatthana is, is observing the, the, the physical reality that we're experiencing is like this. So, in, you know, I was encouraging people to, to be aware of the body rather than be the owner of the body. The body is not self. It's a sankhara. We create a self by, through, through our thinking, habits and memories. So how we look, we become vain, we become obsessed with our appearance, with the color of our skin, with the gender of the body. <clears throat> Whether it's too fat or too thin, you know, so this is modern life, uh, emphasis on looking good, looking attractive, make the body attractive, because that's what we, that's what we identify with. But the awareness isn't about how you know uh, about the 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 body and its in its various qualities or characteristics, but as the reality of here and now, it's like this. So that kind of stills the mind, because to just reflect on the body, on the breathing, on the four postures, we stop thinking about it, and we, we, we have this sense of observing, of puto, of being the knowing, it is like this. Because this we can know. Right now, your physical body is the way it is. Whether you like it or not, something else. But it is like this. And, you, and that's the knowing from conscious, awakened consciousness, So it's not no longer seen in terms of what do I look like? Is my posture good? Am I sitting correctly? Am I my breath? What should I do with my breath? And then we start thinking, and the, the thinking we we send the the jitta outside into thinking about it, trying to analyze or figure out what's going on, rather than trusting. In knowing, it's like this. Vedananu Sati Satipatthana is Vedananu uh, Satipatthana is is the feeling. This is a feeling realm. Isn't it? This this planet we live on, the bodies we have, are all about feeling, pleasure, pain, neutral feeling sensation the senses that's what we call them senses because they're sensitive and so sensitivity you know can you can the can the thinking mind describe sensitivity oh you got sukha vedana tukha vedana tukha matsukha vedana pleasant feeling unpleasant feeling and neutral those are guidelines for reflection. Usually, you know, we're aware when when we're feeling when when physically 
we're feeling good, healthy, robust. When the body feels good, when it doesn't, then we, we're aware of it. But neutral sensation goes unnoticed. So I found in my early years of practice, concentrated, began to explore neutral sensation in the body. Because you begin to be aware of it, you know, that, that it's, it's here and now, but unnoticed. And it's not about liking or disliking it, but it, the, this, this is the nature of the body to feel something or other, either pleasant, painful, or neutral. So this is investigating Dhamma Vichaya the way it is. And of course feeling, uh, the, the three kinds of feeling are all sankharas, they're impermanent. And you give up sending your your jitta outside to to claim it, you know, like this pain I have, this, this uh, unpleasant feeling, feeling of being sick, or this uh, kind of feeling of discomfort. I don't want it. No, we don't want that feeling. So then I start thinking, it's my pain and I don't want it. Well, how can I get rid of it? That's sending the jitta outside again into thinking. And through the through ignorance, we claim it as my pain, and it's something I have that I don't want. I want to get rid of it. But in the uto, the knowing, the awakened conscious knowing, is is seeing, observing. Dukkha Vedana is like this. The body, the body's nature is painful. It's painful to be born. The whole birth process must. I don't remember it being born. <laughs> but when you see things like this in movies, you, the woman's always screaming. <laughs> so it's. <laughs> You know, so so it's that's the nature of the human body is to feel pain, pleasure, pain, and neutral sensation. This is not personal. It's not me creating pain, or I can start believing that I'm doing something uh, uh, wrong. That that I have these these physical problems, but that's sending the jitta outside again. So the sati-sampachanya is not sending outside, seeking answers to, to questions or solutions to problems, but observing all conditions, sapay-sankarani-chas, all conditions are impermanent. Then jitanupasna satipatana, the third foundation of mindfulness, it's awareness of state of mind, the mood. And this I found, you know, because I was so so uh, caught up in thinking, in attachment to self-views. When I, when I met Lung Pacha, you know, I'm conditioned to, to be uh, conceited and vain and self-critical and... and uh, striving to get something or something thinking there's something wrong with me that i have to do something in order to get it right whose fault is it and we my mother's fault or my father's fault or my fault so we tend to want to blame something outside ourselves for our feeling of insecurity, uh, emotional fragility, and so forth. 
But with Satisampachanya, there's observance of that. And as I've remarked before, in the, and this was Lungpa Cha's way of, of getting me to observe what I'm feeling. Like when, the you know, the frustration, as I've described, the first year I spent, you know, first pansa with Lung Ho Cha and Wat Pa Pong, it was emotionally very frustrating. And a lot of negative uh, emotions would arise. Doubting about myself, doubting about whether I could do this, doubting, the, you know, whether this was the right way. And uh, Ajahn Chah would, uh, you know, you try to ask him these questions. He'd always kind of have ways of, of making you look at what you're questioning. Rather than answering the question, he wasn't trying to convert me or convince me, but encouraging me to observe the to observe the state of mind is like this. Well, this is something I found I could do because one thing, you, you're in a situation where you have little opportunity to distract yourself or follow your old habits as a layperson. You're in a totally new situation, a, Different culture, different environment, with a with a form that you have to conform to. If you want to stay there, you have to bow and conform to the to the Vinaya form. And so the the awareness then is awareness of. It isn't for, of opinions one might have about the form, whether you like it or don't like it, or see the point of it, or whether it's helping me or not helping me, or whether it's old-fashioned or, you know, the way the mind will send them the, the consciousness out to think about it and analyze it and criticize it. Or just grasp the form without awareness of grasping. But you need to trust this, this awareness of it. I feel like this, this feeling, the mood, the emotion, the state of mind that this is, is like this. Whether it's exasperation, whether it's frustration, whether it's confusion, whether it's doubt, whether it's anger, it's, it is the way it is. And this is direct knowing, consciousness knowing sankara, not judging it. It's not about right thought, like trying to think always in positive terms. But even wrong thought is a sankara. So right thought and wrong thought can take us both to understanding, to insight. In terms of the form, we act on the, the good ones, do good and refrain from doing bad with body and speech. <clears throat> That's the form. The, the five precepts, the eight precepts, ten precepts, the Padimokha rules and all this is a form about action and speech. That's what we've agreed to, to live within that, that, that particular standard conventional form. But in terms of satisampachanya, sometimes the emotions are like anger or, or resentment, doubt, worry, rage, whatever. Uh, where, uh, how you want to describe particular emotions that arise, according to an ideal, you know, the ideal monk, the ideal monk that I had was bhikkhu is filled with loving kindness and compassion. 
that's a beautiful ideal. But that wasn't what I was feeling. So if I, if I just judge myself according to the ideal, then I, I'm, you know, I'm not a good monk because I'm feeling angry or frustrated or rebellious. If I look at the ideal, then the reality of negative feelings, emotions, or thoughts, or memories, they can only be you know, something bad that we should get rid of, and they're mine. Or, from the sati-sampatanya level, seeing, them, seeing it in terms of sankhara, it is what it is. And that's a real relief not to, to try to manipulate the mind into, into to just to escape negative thinking or negative emotions, but to be able to have the, the, the interest, the faith, the sata, to develop the wisdom to observe what, that this realm is about sankhara, you know, the body, the feelings, the memories, thoughts. Everything is sankhara. And that which is aware that no sankhara is sankhara is not a sankhara. So that's why it's the escape hatch, this mindfulness path to the deathless, the way to the deathless, So what's the way to the death? Not through sankhara, but through knowing sankhara, as sankhara, the jitta knowing itself. This is this is consciousness. This is awareness. It's here and now. It's now. It's with me all the time, no matter what I'm thinking or doing. Even serial killers or crazy people, still consciousness is the same. They never. That doesn't become a criminal or a, or a killer. But the sankharas can take those various forms. <clears throat> so this is encouraging you to ask yourself, what is it that knows sankhara? And then your, the question itself stops the thinking mind. There's a kind of listening. And you're not searching for definition from the Pali dictionary or from the teacher. But, and it's not me, Ajahn Sumedho, knowing sankharas. It's not personal. It's just knowing. Consciousness informed with wisdom. All sankharas are impermanent. All Dhamma is anatta, not self. So I offer this as a reflection for this evening. Annamayang dhammagata sadhukarang Sadhu, sadhu. Sato, ah.